You're listening to Hebrew Hits. I'm your host, Malia, and I'm so excited that you're tuning in to this show because that means that you want to succeed in life and you do not want to fail. Many of us go through such difficult challenges in life, and it's up to us not to fall victim to them. It's up to us to rise above it and to succeed. I sit down with people who have gone through real big struggles and show that they overcame them and are super successful today. It's what you do with what you have that makes a difference. Hebrew Hits is presented by TMC. Hello and welcome back to an all new episode of Hebrew Hits. I'm so excited to have you all here listening tonight because tonight I have my grandmother back on the show. You heard my grandmother share her story about surviving World War II, growing up in Burma, escaping Burma, and going through the war. Well, today I have my grandmother back on the show to talk about Rosh Hashanah, what it was like to have Rosh Hashanah during the war, what it was like to have Rosh Hashanah in Burma. So Nana, thank you so much for joining this show and being back here with us tonight. How are you doing today? Thank you for having me. Are you doing well? Yes, thank you. So Nana, let's jump right in. How was Rosh Hashanah growing up in Burma? Well... Rosh Hashanah for me, what I remember was I always had a new dress because it was Rosh Hashanah. And as young kids were, they're so proud of the dress, you know, to wear it and to go running around with it. It makes you happy <laughs> because we did not get many dresses in the year, but Rosh Hashanah we did. Did someone make these dresses for you or it was done like you bought it in a store? Or what I'm trying to ask is, was it personally made for you? No, it was personally made. We used to have a tailor to come to the house. You take the measurements and everything and then come back in a day or two and bring the dress. Wow. If we can give people context, like what year was this around? Because I know it was before World War II because you're talking about when you were living in Burma. Right, that's true. It was before 1940, I think, or 1941, maybe 1942, you know, because after that, when we, uh, how to see, realized like the Japanese were right close to Burma, Rangoon, we all ran away. <laughs> we had to. Otherwise, they, each one of them would take a woman for themselves, you know. But, uh, some some grandmothers were there and would stand like God and not allow them to take their kids, their daughters. Wow. If they had nobody, then they were, any girl that was left, they could take them, you know. But if somebody had them and claimed that it was their kid, they wouldn't touch them. Wow, Nana, it sounds like a really, really hard time to be, like, growing up. Now, if we can go back to the dresses for a second. Okay. Can you share maybe how your favorite dress looked? Can you describe it? I don't know, but I had one dress that I liked a lot. But um, I think it was made by the tailor, you know. Usually my mother makes my dresses. My mother was very good seamstress. She knew how to do it. And my older sister with her were very good, you know, in putting the length and the waist and everything. Between the two of them, I had my dress. Yeah. Whose idea was it to make sure that you have a dress for Rosh Hashanah? Was it your mother's idea or your father wanted you all to have new outfits? Mm, no, I think if we could afford it, 
it's my mother or my father's, you know. It's both of them would want it, like a new year in good mazal. But if we couldn't afford it, you know, we didn't have it. And we understood, you know, we trusted the parents when they say this year, it was a tough time, we couldn't get anything done. So we knew, we never questioned anything. So Nana, could you describe your Rosh Hashanah table in Burma? What did your father like say any special things? Did he do anything special? Tell you the truth, I don't remember much. But what I remember, whatever fruit was in the season, we had it. And if there was a fruit we did not eat the whole year, and it was there, we would bring it for the bracha, because you're supposed to have a new fruit. And we always enjoyed it, no matter what, no matter what times, good or bad, you know, when you have a new dress, how you feel when you're a young kid. You want to wear it, show everybody like you have a new dress. <laughs> yeah. It was a good time, even though times were not good. You know what I mean? Yeah, but we're talking right now before the war. So I understand during the war, it was tough times. Before the war, what was Rosh Hashanah like at your house? It was full of happiness. We had uh, maybe a lot of uh, food being cooked. And if anybody came, you know, those who couldn't afford it, they would, they would want a little bit of, uh, how to say, a little bit of... Um, money, they couldn't afford it, you know, so that they could enjoy Rosh Hashanah. We would give it to them, and if we were cooking something that's tasty, like anything from the fire, you know, if we were frying, whatever if we fried and it was very tasty, we would give them one of that and some money so they could have at least a respite to it think of it as a new year they had something to eat to make them happy you guys sound like such a nice family like i wish i met your parents did your mom make anything special for rosh hashanah like every year did you know your mom is making this for rosh hashanah Mm, well we had food the food is the main thing in those times and we would have all kinds of food she made date puffs. She made cheese puffs. She made uh, date cheese. But the date one was loved by everybody. Everybody liked cheese, but the date is very good. My father liked the date puffs. He didn't get so much for the cheese and all that. But the date puff he liked a lot. It's within our tradition to dip the apple in the honey. Did you do that in Burma as well? Yes. We did. What color apples did you guys have? Well, green. I like green. Green and red. We had two kinds of them. So how did it work? Did your father sit at the head and dip everyone's apples in the honey? Did, you, did he pass around the apples and the honey? That's what it is. The apples and honey were plas- uh, passed around. Each one had their apple in the hand and dipped it in the honey and ate it for a sweet year. Isn't it incredible that... Years later, decades later, we're still doing the same traditions. Right. That's something that people all over, you know, are surprised like that, that 
one tradition that they had is that, but Jews all over the world kept the same tradition, and they never forgot it. And they're wondering, you know, like other nations, they forget whatever the heck they did in the beginning in their times, and then gradually they wore out of it and never did it. But we still stuck to our tradition. We kept it all the time. Did your father give you all, like all you and your siblings, any special blessings on Rosh Hashanah? Um, I don't know. But we get, we get blessings every time in, in the festivals. And we go and we normally kiss his hands. And one year, I remember, I don't know whether it was Pesach or Rosh Hashanah, my father's brothers were there. And we had to go as a sign of respect, just go to each one of them and kiss their hands. Was that comfortable for you? Did you like that? No, it was comfortable. It's just a sign of respect for the older people, you know, that like they're not forgotten. Otherwise, many people would think they are old, like forget them and of no use anymore. But we still honor the older people. Because how is it without them we couldn't be living, you know? And it, it's the tradition that had been there. We have to keep it up. Do you want to tell my audience what you do for me every single Friday night? I ask you every Friday night to bless me, and what do you tell me? I said, may God bless you. Because you're a good person, and whatever God does for you will be very good. And May he bless you for good. Amen. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Now, let's transition a little bit into the war years. Now, you had to escape Burma. The Japanese invaded. You had to run to India. When was this? What time of year did you actually have to escape? Was it around Rosh Hashanah time? Was it around Pesach? No, it was, uh, I think, in the. it was actually in the end of the year, the beginning also, like the new year, they knew when to come, you know, because they were always in Singapore, and from Singapore to come to Burma, it's not very far. Maybe one day's journey, they can make it. Yeah, and when that happened, we, we knew we had to run, and we did. We, we never did want to be caught with the Japanese in any way. But I must say, a word in their defense, they never hurt any Jew. They liked the Jewish people, the Japanese. They always said, you know, like the Japanese are truthful, the German, Jews are truthful, hardworking people, and they wouldn't do anything to harm them. Except you told me that you had to jump into bunkers because the Japanese were, berm- were bombing your houses. Yeah, because that was, they were bombing from the air. So we don't know where they will hit, right? We usually stayed in the house. There were times we would go into the bunkers and stay there. But then if they were machine gunning the bunkers, they would fly low and maybe just machine at random. So we didn't want to take the chance. Even if they bombed the house, the chances are... There's another roof on top of the head, so maybe they will miss us. Whereas in the bunkers, they have a good shot to shoot us. Sometimes we go in there, and the people, the uh, how to say, the army or the 
government in charge will say, today, this time, don't go into the bunkers. Go straight. Take protection. And that's what we do. Nana, did you ever have Rosh Hashanah away from your family because of the war? Mm, no. Always were with family. What happened when you were in the hostel during World, World War II? Yeah, I celebrated it with them, whoever was left in the hostel. If not the woman who took in charge of the hostel, I would be with her. And we would, whoever was left behind and had no family there would be with her and they celebrated it together. How was that for you? Was that hard to be away from your family? It was, but then it's, it's, it's something that, how to say, you knew that would be. If your family was there, you would go to your family. And if the family wasn't there, all of those who were left behind in the hostel would celebrate it at the same time. Were any of your siblings in the hostel with you, or were you alone? No, I was alone. All, all the rest of the family went back to Burma. So why was it that you were at the hostel? Uh, I had to finish my last year in school. I was in the ninth grade at that time, and we have up to nine grades only. So the ninth grade, I was in the ninth grade, and I waited to finish it. And then I can go back and I finish school instead of going halfway and going to Burma, which was not settled yet because of the war. And I would be delayed. So like this, I'm through with, with uh, how to say, school, my, my education in the lower grade. If I want to go to college, I could then go to college. So here's my question. If you were still in Burma, if the war did not affect Burma, right? If there was no war, you would have been living in Burma and doing your school in Burma? Right. Most probably. So the reason that you were in the hostel was because you had to run away and flee during the war, and that led you to be at the hostel. Once you're in the hostel, once the war was over, they said just stay one more year to finish up school, correct? Yeah, since there was one year, I just had one more year to finish high school. So they figured Burma was not settled because during the Second World War, the Japanese took it over and everything was like a grumba-grum, nothing settled. No schooling, you know, only maybe the kindergarten and all, they'd have young kids learning. But the higher grades, n nobody had anybody, you know, teaching them. It was all ultapulta. It was all ultapulta, right. So like that, they figured I might as well finish school and then go back to Burma. When you were in the hostel, did you feel that, like, when you were davening for Rosh Hashanah, were you davening? Like, what were you davening for? Was it, like, peace in the world? Like, what went through your mind because you were so awake? Like, it was your first time having Rosh Hashanah away from your family. Right. No, we davened for peace in the world. That's the main thing. Peace in the world and peace wherever we were, for Burma to be away from the Japanese, we were lucky that they didn't get a hold of us because they usually took young girls and they liked young girls to go to sleep with. But like this, we were, you know, the lady that controlled the hostel was like a big uh, thing, like you can't touch my children kind of a thing, you know? So we were safe like that. Wow, that is so fortunate. For you, 
What happened when you went back to Burma and how was it having Rosh Hashanah again with your family? How did that feel? You were finally reunited with your family. Yeah, it felt very good because I was happy that I could go back and maybe earn something, so make life a bit easier for them, because life was very hard. After the war, it became tough. Not that before it wasn't tough, but after the war, it became tough, till I got a job, and I I got some earning. It helped them. Then we felt better. You know, what is the biggest lesson that you learned from going through the war and surviving it? Uh, the big lesson, I think, would be one thing is to share. If I if I saw anybody who was uh, down and out and needed a meal, I don't mind give. I wouldn't didn't mind even if I had to give up my meal to see that that person had something to eat. Because I know there were times it was so terrible that people did not have a proper meal. And when you know sometimes elderly people didn't have proper food and you feel very sorry for them. I used to do that. I used to bring a cousin of mine whose family, you know, like, Normally, always this family and that family have an argument, and that argument is never forgotten. They never forget, always they tick, 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 tick on that thing. I brought her to the house, and my father said, it's telling me, what did you do? You know, the mother always passes the street and spits at us. How can we let her come to the house? I said, no, Daddy, she is hungry. She had no food. Her brother and the sister-in-law doesn't even share food with her. So he didn't say anything. After she finished, I walked her part of the way home, and she went. In those times, times were bad. But we still survived. We had to survive. We made it that we will survive, no matter what, no matter what, even if we had trouble, even if we starved, that we will survive. Wow. I'm just listening and I'm just letting you like keep the mic because I'm just like in awe, like, wow, that's what you've been through. And like, life is a lot easier nowadays. There's so many things that are just given to us and still people don't share. Yeah. And they share. Some people do share. You know, you you have to share. Your your heart does not feel good if you see somebody who's starving and you don't want to share bread in any way. How does your Rosh Hashanah look like now? Now that you have Baruch Hashem grandchildren and great-grandchildren. And, like, how do you, when Rosh Hashanah comes, like, what do you feel? Do you feel, how, do you feel gratitude? What emotions are you feeling when you have Rosh Hashanah? Because Rosh Hashanah is tomorrow. So what are you feeling? I feel happy that kids kids would appreciate, you know, to live free, to do whatever they like on Rosh Hashanah. It's a good thing, a very good feeling. And it's nice to bring up kids from young 
at Rosh Hashanah, they should learn a lesson to share whatever they have with somebody who's down and out. It, it makes you feel good. You don't want to see another Jew in hard times. So even if you could help them a little, it would be good. It would pick them up a little bit. Wow. Nana, what is something that you, once you got married and had your own children, what is something that you took from your father to make sure that you do at your Rosh Hashanah table for your children? I don't know. I think one thing that was always with me was to be happy, was to see that the kids were always happy on Rosh Hashanah. No matter what they had, if they had a new shirt or a new dress, we, I remember every Rosh Hashanah we had a new dress. And you know how kids are so happy that we have a new dress. We like to show them to people. Yeah, but as I grew older, that didn't mean much. You know, I, it gave me joy to see younger people with their new dress showing off so happily because they got a new dress for Rosh Hashanah. That's actually so interesting you're saying that, and we're both here smiling. I wish people could see this on film. But because, what did I say? After we do this interview, I'm going to take you to the living room, living room and show you my new clothes, right? Yeah, exactly. And we never said, oh, you are, your dress is better than mine or anything. We were just happy for that person if that person had anything good. You know, no envy. We never had that. Well, Nana, you're special. That's why you don't have any envy because you're just, you're very, very easygoing. You're, you're, you're just very selfless. Let me, you're welcome. Let me ask you this question. So Nana, you mentioned happiness a lot in this interview. Why is it so important to be happy specifically on Rosh Hashanah? Well, that's a new year. And to start the new year off well, you should have a happy feeling inside of you, really to be happy. And all the kids should be happy also, because that makes everybody to be happy on Rosh Hashanah. No argument, no fight, just happy, good time. Do you think that being happy affects the way your new year will be? Is that why you're saying it? I hope so. I want to make like the beginning of the year to start off with a happy feeling. And maybe if I exude happiness, the kids will know that on Rosh Hashanah, especially the beginning of the new year, to be happy, regardless of what happens and whatever condition life is. To be happy is the best thing for Rosh Hashanah. So Nana, not everybody could just be happy. Like I'm here smiling now, just like listening to you talk. It's so incredible. You have the personality. You've been through a lot, like, and your personality has just been very much to let things go, not let things bother you, let it go. Some people have a hard time. People are, some people are just really, really not happy. They don't know why. They're just not happy. So when you're telling people like it's a good idea to be happy, what could be a step to help someone be happy if they're not naturally happy? Well, if you have some kind of a grudge against somebody who hurt you, on Rosh Hashanah, 
it should be that both parties should go for forgiveness and even though you may not want to go to the person because you got hurt if you make the first step you are doing a great mitzvah because then we are starting the new year with a good intent and hashem loves people who makes peace he loves it because when there is peace in the house anything can is possible to you know to proceed for good not for anything and if someone like thinks they can plan and hurt the parties hashem wouldn't allow it what do you mean hashem wouldn't allow it if there's peace in the house with all the family members no one from outside thinks like they can come and make i i will say agram bagram you know some no reason they would want to put up like some kind of an argument so there won't be peace in the house right i hear that now a last question i would i i would have wanted to expand on that but we're running out of time so i want to ask you this last question is what are you most excited for about Rosh Hashanah this year in my house? What are you excited for? Because I am going to take your hand and I'm going to tell you that I am so excited to spend Rosh Hashanah with you this year. And we're going to sit next to each other and we're going to sing the songs as we do on Shabbat and we do every single like Motzei Shabbat, we sing all the songs together. So I'm excited to have you at a Rosh Hashanah meal. So what are you, you're welcome, what are you most excited for? Well, I'm most excited to be part of your Rosh Hashanah and enjoy it with you and to try to make you as happy as how we used to be on Rosh Hashanah, to put aside all the grudges that anybody may have and to forget on Rosh Hashanah to just because it's a new year we should forget all the grievances and only have happy thoughts if somebody hurt you forgive that person because we are supposed to forgive people especially rosh hashana and yom by if you don't by rosh hashana definitely by yom kippur you forgive everybody who hurt you and bear no grudge and hopefully that person will do the same thing. Yes, hopefully. Nana, you know what time it is now? No. It's time to go shopping for our new Rosh Hashanah dresses. <laughs> Very good. I don't know if I'll be looking good in any dress. <laughs> I think skirt and a blouse I like because you know why? I don't have to worry that I got extra bumps here and a bump here. <laughs> yeah. Nana, you are very funny. Well, thank you so much for doing this interview with me. This has been amazing to learn about how Rosh Hashanah was celebrated in Burma, how Rosh Hashanah was celebrated during the war, and how you like to celebrate Rosh Hashanah now. And I'm just so excited to celebrate with you. And Emirates Hashem, it will be a good, happy um, Rosh Hashanah. And I wish... Amen. May it be like that. And maybe... Not maybe, may it be that you find your your beshert. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I try to think of the word. <laughs> Nana, you know what you always say, Yomaliki. Yom
Maliki, yes. May you have your time and your 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 intended. He come through the door and say, Malia, will you marry me? Oh man, that's so sweet. That's so sweet. Thank you so much. Well, Nana, I'm so excited to celebrate Rosh Hashanah with you, and I cannot wait for everybody who is listening to this episode to hear all about Rosh Hashanah from you. And thank you all for tuning in. I'm your host, Malia. This is Hebrew Hits. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you like what you just heard, please share this episode with at least one person so that it could spread even more. And please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and anywhere you can leave a review. Go subscribe to my website at HebrewHitsRadio.com. That's HebrewHitsRadio.com. And go subscribe to my YouTube channel, Hebrew Hits Radio. That's Hebrew Hits Radio. If you'd like to reach out to me directly, go to Malia Feivelson on LinkedIn and leave me a DM. I look forward to hearing all of your comments and responses to this episode. Thank you so much for being here. Happy Rosh Hashanah. and Happy Rosh Hashanah to all of you. And as I say, Shana Tova, Umesuka. Shana Tova, Umtuka. Thank you so much for tuning in to Hebrew Hits Podcast. I'm your host, Malia. And if you liked what you just heard, please share this episode with your family and your friends. Go to HebrewHitsRadio.com, click share episode so they can hear it as well. You can find me on LinkedIn at Malia Feivelson. I would love to hear your feedback and your comments about this podcast and this episode that you just heard. So go send me a message again through LinkedIn at Malia Feivelson. And I'm just so happy that I was able to spend this half hour with you. I'll be back next week. Same time, same place.